Repentance gets a bad rap. God wants you to live. God wants to bring times of refreshing to you, but it comes through the doorway of repentance. We're going to go through five things to repent of, and it's going to be fun. Welcome to The Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. This podcast is here to advance the revolution Jesus started, a revolution of the free, the fire starters, the troublemakers, and the zealots. I interview people who I think are awesome, who have heard that revolutionary call and are going after Jesus with their whole heart. If you listen to this show and join our community, I know God is going to speak to you. I believe God wants to change the world through you, through your unique gifts and talents He's given you. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life, a voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will. Let's get rolling. I'll just start here. Repentance gets a bad rap. So does holiness. So does righteousness. You know, it's always been presented as this heavy, sad, depressing, you know, we're all sinners here and, you know, under hands under an angry God. You know, it's, it's, all, it's all stupid. I shouldn't say, well, you know what? It's my podcast. I'll say it's stupid. So here's the situation. Um, you know, I, I love... Um, Andy Bird and Brian Brent from the Circuit Riders with YWAM, they talk about happy holiness. Uh, John Eldridge, uh, in some of his teachings uh, years ago, he talked about the utter relief of holiness. You know, repentance is your doorway to freedom. It is your doorway to rejoicing and laughter and lightness and ease and purity and fun and happy holiness. And so um, this show, I'm going to be going through five areas, I believe, that the Lord wants me to highlight of areas of repentance. Uh, I believe it's more prone to men, but, you know, I'm not going to limit it, right? So five areas that I believe God is calling all of us to repent of. So let's go. It's going to be a lot of scripture today as I go through these five areas. So let's start with Ezekiel 18.32. God says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. I love that. Repent and live. That's the name of the show. Uh, Acts 3.19, God says, Repent then, actually Paul says, Repent, then, and turn to God. I'm sorry, Luke wrote Acts, I think. Go back. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Who does not want times of refreshing from the Lord? Who does not want times of renewal and refreshing coming from the Lord? I'm going to tell you, Today, the doorway to that is repentance. So before I dig into these five areas, I just want to talk about something that, I, that uh, I use, I've, I've talked about in the past in my life and actually preached about in the past. And I don't even know if it's as relevant these days, but there was a season of time when everybody wanted to redefine sin. I have issues. I've got problems. If you use, you know, sort of the eldritch language, I have wounds, um, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. 
but at the end of the day, I'm, uh, you know, I, I have the disease of um, sexual addiction, you know, it, on and on and on and on. We go through this list of things that we define as problems, but we don't define them as sin that you repent of. You define them as a disease that you need to, you know, go through a process to get better at. And what you will find that if you defined sin as anything other than sin, then you will go. Uh, the, what I like to say is that the the uh, the prog the diagnosis determines your prognosis. So if you diagnose something wrongly, meaning it's not sin, it's I have issues, I have you know whatever it is, um, then your prognosis, what you're going to do to go about getting better out of that. Uh, reveals your diagnosis. And ultimately, and I, I used to be in substance abuse counseling for years, and, you know, for, that's a great example, right? The Bible calls uh, the sin of excessive uh, intake of drugs and alcohol as debauchery. We call it, uh, you know, I have the disease of alcoholism. Man, I didn't mean to get into all this. <laughs> so, um, because there's a you know chicken egg argument here, and uh, so let me just try to kind of land this plane for a second. If you diagnose something wrong, your prognosis um, that you go about to fix it reveals your diagnosis, and and ultimately the result of that diagnosis of the prognosis when you go out to try to fix yourself because you have a disease instead of you're sinning, um, then you'll find typically, and I and I was in substance abuse counseling for uh, about eight years. And what I found is that the substance abuse counselors that didn't adhere to a biblical view of life eventually said, ah, they're going to be on, you know, they're going to be on methadone medication for their heroin addiction for the rest of their life versus, oh, God can set them free from their sin. <laughs> so, and I know I'll probably get some, some notes on this one, especially for those that have been involved in NA and AA, and, and I'm not anti those things. I'm just saying that... Uh, Repentance, as God defines it, is a doorway for freedom. And and uh, what I'm going to go through in this list and these five things to repent of, uh, I believe is a doorway for refreshing, for living. Repent and live, God said. All right, so that's enough by preamble. So let's let's go ahead and dig into these five areas. Uh, let's start with the uh, let's start with uh, a good one, pride. Oh, pride. The pride that nobody sees, the pride that seems to be hidden from everyone but you. I mean, sorry, seems to be uh, obvious to everyone but you. You know you have pride if you're that guy or woman. And, and pride is so subtle. Oh, my gosh, it is so subtle. And, and that's one of the reasons why I love reading the Bible. Um, I don't have that verse in front of me, but in Hebrews it talks about the Bible. Uh, I can remember maybe Hebrews 10 about dividing you know, uh, motive, heart and motive, uh, bone from marrow. You know, the Bible can get, and God through the Bible can get right at the heart of the matter, right? When you want to define certain things as certain things, as pride. I'll, I'll give you an example of that happened to me recently, and I was like shocked, but it was so liberating. So one of the things that I have um, uh, done in my life is I've kind of lived under this, this, uh, I'm perpetually disappointing myself. So I have expectations for myself about who I am, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to accomplish, when it's going to get accomplished, on and on and on. And I've lived all of my life with these very, very, very lofty expectations that I've put on myself. Well, the Lord recently kind of showed me, you know, those 
you know, you need to let go of those expectations. And I was like, okay, Lord, I let go of these expectations. And then he kind of came in, you know, like, uh, like with the, the, the left hook. And he basically said, oh, by the way, all those expectations, yeah, they're driven by pride, the sin of pride. Now that you've let go of those expectations about who you're supposed to be and do and, you know, this grandiose view, you need to repent of pride. And I was like, holy cow, you know, <laughs> you know, I've been living under my own um, demands that are all pride driven, you know, and I didn't even see it as pride. I just thought I had high standards or I was, you know, whatever it is, you know, but at the end of the day, the Lord said, hey, that's pride. And I repented of it. And in a humble state, you know, my expectations were different. Instead of me having to be and do all these great and grand things, I could just be a human before a God that I need, and as he leads, I will follow. And I'm free. Like, I was free. I was free of my own expectations. It was like, I mean, that's just a, a quick story on that. But, all right, so let's get into uh, how what the Bible talks about. So 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Man, this is, there's so much here. First off, God opposes you if you are proud. Period. That's what the scripture teaches. And so if you're pride, if you have pride in your life, either obvious to you or not obvious to you. God is opposing you. So that would be one area to take to the Lord. You know, um, am I prideful? Is that why things are going so poorly for me? You know, are you opposing me because I have pride in my marriage and how my wife's supposed to be or pride in my parenting and how my kids are supposed to be or pride in my work or pride in my, my religious life or pride, 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 pride. You know, God may be thwarting and frustrating you all over the place because you have a sin of pride and you don't even see it. But God shows favor to the humble. Oh, the humble. Don't we, uh, you know, hum humility gets a bad rap, right? But man, the humble are free. They have the favor of God on them. And I want to be one of those humble ones that have the favor of God. That in due season, you're lifted up. In due season, you're lifted up. You know, in the timing element here, right? You know, pride means it needs to happen today, this year, this month, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas humility is, I open my hands, God, to the timing of you and what you want to do good in my life. So these are just some, some thoughts around pride. Repent of pride. If you were prideful... Look, ask your, you, you want an you honest answer? Ask your wife or ask your husband, am I prideful? They'll tell you. If they love you, they'll tell you. Ask your best friends, am I prideful? They'll tell you. I'm telling you, this is one of these sins that nobody sees, but it's so obvious. You know, it's kind of like bad breath. If you have pride, everyone knows but you. So, so let's, let's move on from that. So let, let's deal with another uh, area of repentance out of the five. And this is anger. Oh, anger. Don't we know about anger? So um, I'll put on my, my former counseling hat here for a second. Um, anger is driven by pain, period. 
right? So you might be frustrated or angry, but the underneath anger is pain. It is hurt. Um, one example would be feeling disrespected and uh, being angry about it. I, I can relate to that. Uh, that is being driven by this, this um, hurt of being disrespected. And it's expressed itself in anger, but there is a hurt and a pain that's driving the anger. And I'm telling you, all anger is driven by pain. You just have to figure out what the pain is, which most most men, you know, they're just like, you know, I'm angry, and that's as deep as it goes. And that's just, it's foolishness. You want to grow in the Lord? You're going to need to deal with this. So let, let's, let's uh, and get to the root of it. And the Lord will help you through Scripture and in prayer if you're willing to repent of this area. And again, this is not like pride. You know you're angry. Everyone else knows you're angry. You know, so anger is sort of this very, um, you know, everyone knows, right? So it's not like a hidden thing. So let's uh, dig into James 1, uh, 19 through 22. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. All right, so the commandment is you must be slow to become angry. If you have a quick temper and it doesn't take nothing for to set you off, the Bible says you must be slow to anger. Perfect opportunity to figure out what's going on here. Where it's the pain that's causing, or the wound, if you want to use those kind of languages, that is causing me to be so quick-tempered. There's something afoot, right? There's something wrong. All right, so let's keep going. Human anger, and this is actually why I wanted to share this scripture. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Period. No need for explanation. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I remember one time uh, years ago, um, somebody came to me and said, you know what? I remember how you used to be, you know, you were a Bible thumper, but the problem was you took all of that Bible knowledge and it was mixed with all this unhealthy anger and you just came at people, right? You just would just just come at them. And, um, and it was true, you know? And so I became, a, you know, I'm not the guy you want in your Bible study because I was, I was a if I can say on my own podcast, a Bible a-hole, because <laughs> it's true. All right, so let's keep going. Um, so uh, verses uh, 21, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. You know, so good. That is so good. You know, as you're starting to dig into why am I so quit-tempered? Why am I so angry? You know, so much of anger in men, especially uninitiated, immature men, is I don't know how to do this, and I'm angry I don't know, right? This is frustrating because I don't think I can, I have what it takes. I think I'm going to be sunk by this situation. Look, guys, you may be angry about it, but the reality of it is that you're feeling from the, uh, you know, clearly that I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. I'm weak. I can't rise to the occasion. And that's where you have to humbly accept the word of God in you that says you can do it in God. If you submit yourself to him, he will help you. He will father you. So, And then finish off this verse, but don't just listen to God's word. You know, Don't just listen to God's word that has the power to, to save your soul. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Man, gotta love James. 
don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And in this particular case, if you have a quick temper and you are prone to anger, I'm telling you, God is wants to take you back to your pain and bring you healing to release that fuel that is driving your anger. You have to, and man, there's so much podcast I've, I've done on wounds and healing and, and the need for healing. And um, yeah, so that, that's, that's awesome. All right, let's, let's go to the next uh, area of repentance. And uh, in this one, whew, this one, this one cuts deep. This one cuts deep. So it's in Numbers 2012, and it, it requires a little bit of a story. So uh, I'll just read the verse, and I'll tell you the story. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, so Aaron was the high priest, and Moses was like the, you know, the king, if you will, even though he wasn't a king, but he was the guy in charge, and then Aaron was sort of like the high priest connected to God in Israel's time. Moses, I'm sorry, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me, in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites. You will not bring this community into the land I give them. Why did Moses never enter the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the desert and leading the Israelites? This verse. Why did Aaron, the high priest who was close with God and appointed by God, not enter the promise that God had given? This verse. So what happened? So what happened was... Uh, the people were complaining uh, that they did not have water. And then the, uh, so Moses and Aaron went to the Lord and said, hey, everybody's thirsty, like literally, like physically thirsty. And he said, okay, I want you to... Now, in the past, um, I think God had used... Uh, man, I'm going to botch this story a little bit, but, but God had used Moses and Aaron to bring water to the people. And it was a specific way he did it. I think he like hit the rock or he threw, no, I think what he did is he took the staff that God had given him and threw it in this this water, and it made it, went from bitter to uh, sweet water, and so they could drink it. And so in this particular case, God said, I want you to go to this rock, I want you to speak to the rock, and water will gush out for it for the people. So God had already set aside, this is the way it's going to be. All right. So then Moses goes to the rock. He does not do what the Lord says. He doesn't speak to the rock. He takes uh, what I would call his magic wand, which is his staff, which means here's all the things that God has done. This, You know, he's part of the Red Sea. He transferred the, the waters of Meribah from, from bitter to sweet. Uh, you know, he, he, this, mag- this staff of his has been sort of a crutch, right? Uh, I hate to say it that way, but it's sort of like God has used the staff a bunch to do miracles. Now, God was saying, don't use the staff. Speak your words to the rock, and it will gush forth water. And I would imagine, if I'm Moses, this is going to require a little bit more faith, because I've been relying on and the staff. And I know there's some analogy here, but I'm not going to be able to flesh it out too much today. So, um, But anyway, I've been relying on the staff. So he takes the staff that he's been relying on and God has been using historically, and he hits the rock, and God in his mercy gushes forth water, and so the people have something to drink. And then the Lord speaks this verse to him, saying, because you did not trust in me enough. Whew. That's, the, that's the indictment. I told you to do something in a very specific way. I said, speak to the rock, don't hit it, and I'll provide for the people. 
but because you did not trust in me enough. So he trusted enough to go to the rock. He trusted enough to to do the miracle, but he didn't do it the way the Lord told him to do it. All right? He didn't trust in God enough in light. And I think to honor me as holy in sight of the Israelites. So I think that he might have even been afraid. Well, I know the staff works. I don't know that speaking to something works. I don't know if God's going to come through on this, so I'm going to use the staff because that's worked before. So kind of relying on things that have worked before versus the now word of the Lord. So what is the area of repentance with this story? Um, full obedience, not partial. Whew, this is, this is, this is uh, you're in the big leagues now, right, when, with this. And some people might be like, oh, God is so harsh. You know, he just made a little mistake. Look, Moses and Aaron knew the ways of the Lord, or at least Moses did, for years and years and years and years and years. And it gotten to the point where this subtle disobedience, even though he was only known by God and Moses and Aaron, was enough to say, that's enough. You, cannot, you, you must obey me fully, not partially, and lean on what I've done before, or lean on what you think is going to work you must obey me fully. Golly, think about money, guys. Like, this can come out in money. Like, you know, the Lord says, do this with your money. And you said, I'll do 70% of what you've asked me to do with my money. You know, you, you said, the Lord says, give $100, I'll give 70 This is the kind of obedience we're talking about. And I'm telling you, it has consequences, especially if you have been walking with the Lord and you know better. Now, the, the other interesting data point on... Sorry, I'm having work language. <laughs> the other interesting point is that later after the, God says to Moses and to Aaron, you're not going to enter this land, then he directs Moses to say, Aaron, uh, you know, the next day I want you to take Aaron, and I want you to take his son, and I want you to take all the high priest anointing and calling and etc. that I have placed on Aaron. I want you to take all of it off of him and give it to his son. Man, I'm telling you what, right now, you guys need to listen to me, especially older men. Partial obedience will remove the hand of God on you, and it will transfer to someone else. Could be your son, could be your daughter, could be another generation. But if you're going to be characterized by partial obedience, the Lord will not continue to move in fullness in your life. And that is a scary thought. And, and man, you can go to uh, Ezekiel 18, where it talks about the, 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 when the righteous disobey, their former righteousness will not be accredited to them. Guys, the Lord wants now obedience. He's not like, well, I was faithful 10 years ago. Why, are you gonna, why don't you cut me some slack as I sin casually or as I partially obey? God doesn't work that way. Today is the day that you need to fully obey, not partially, not part kind of, and God will give you, you know, you used to obey more now, and now you don't do it as much, and I'm speaking to myself too, today's the day of full obedience. Don't let that blessing pass you by. Be the man that ables to enter into your promise, unlike Moses and Aaron, who partially obeyed and lost the promise, the fullness of the promise that they had lived for because of this partial obedience. This is a big one, and uh, you need to repent of it. And if and ask the Lord, am I anywhere in my life? Am I partially obeying you? 
because I need to fully obey you. And I bet you he'll say, yeah, you, there's this extra part you didn't do that I asked you to do. And anyway, we can go on and on about that, but that one's a good one. All right, so uh, let's, let's go to the fourth one. Isn't this fun? <laughs> All right, let's go to the fourth one. And, uh, and I would say that, uh, and it's sort of like partial obedience, but it's a little bit different. It's stubbornness. And the Bible uses the term stiff-necked. And, uh, and I've heard through the years something that, that I'll just repeat here, which is basically you want to be bendable before the Lord. You want to be, um, yeah, flexible, bendable, f- um, pliable, moldable, right? Because effectively, if you become rigid, stiff-necked, and stubborn, the, the transition for you in that state is breaking you. If you're, if you're yielding, God can bend you and guide you. If you are stiff-necked and stubborn, he has to break you to guide you. And you don't want to be that guy that God has to break because you don't bend. So let's, there's just a couple scriptures here I want to, I want to share. Uh, uh, Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another at every day, as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Guys, the characteristics of sin is to harden your heart. It's take you from pliable and moldable and responsive to the Lord and sensitive to the Lord to dull and stiff-necked and stubborn and dead. And I'm telling you, sin leads you to that place of hardenedness. God doesn't want your heart to be hard. He doesn't want you to... So as long as it's called today... Today, who cares if you bathed yesterday? We're talking about today, right? As long as it's called today, see that none of you are hardened by this deceitfulness of sin because it is deceitful. It is deceitful. It is, it is, it is lying to you. It is better to be pliable and moldable and humble and responsive to the Lord than to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's go to another one. Uh, Proverbs 29.1, uh, he who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. I mean, that is a serious warning. He who is often reproved, and God will not, I'm telling you, God has already been speaking to you, yet stiffens his neck. You will not do it. You will not forgive your father. You will not forgive your mother. You will not forgive your ex-wife. You will not. You will not. You will not. I'm telling you, the Lord says, will suddenly be broken. You do not beyond healing. Guys, you don't want to be this man that is stubborn. You need to repent of stubbornness, repent of stiff-neckedness. So here's an encouraging scripture about this. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, 12 uh, uh, through 15. And now Israel, and I would put us in this place, and now you, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with, your, with all your heart and soul. And I would add your good heart, your redeemed good heart. And if you're wondering if you have a good heart or not, go listen to that, that podcast years, you know, it's been a little while about your good heart because, and we dig into all the scriptures about that, but serve him with your, all of your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today 
for your own good. And there's another scripture that's not this one that talks about for, for your own good and the good of those that follow you, right? Your obedience has beautiful ramifications on your children and on your family and on your domain and what you have influence over. So I'm giving you a day for your own good. And then it goes on. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as an object of his love, and he chooses you, their descendants, above all other nations, as is evident today. So in light of these things, he has chosen you through Jesus. You are chosen, um, and he loved you. And uh, so, therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. Very straight. (laughs) Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. You're chosen. You're loved. You know, uh, stop being stubborn. And then um, uh, another translation says, circumcise your heart, therefore, and stiffen your necks no more. And just real quick on the circumcision, when it talks, the scripture talks about circumcising the heart. Um, It's really talking about that fleshly extra part of your heart that you long and love for the things of this world. You know, the accolades and, the, and the, all the benefits of this world. You know, where the Lord might be saying, humble yourself, take a lower seat, follow me, um, leave all of that behind, right? You know, leave the fish behind, leave the, you know, leave your everything behind and come follow me. Like, a dis, you know, like the calling of all the disciples. And sometimes we, our hearts want to love God with all of our heart, but there's this partial obedience going on. There's this other mixed desires. God will purify your desires if you give them a chance, but it, it's usually cutting those things away, cutting those things, those extra things that are mixed in, the weeds with the tear, you know, if you will. Um, circumcise your hearts, therefore, and stiffen your necks no more. And I would say in this case, it would be be willing for God to come in and cut out that extra part of your life. That, that is the circumcision, and we don't want the pain, and so we stiffen our necks and say no. But God's saying, trust me, and let me, let me do this surgery. All right, we're almost done. So the fifth thing to repent of, giving ourselves to lesser things. Giving ourselves to lesser things. And so uh, I'll read this scripture, John six twenty seven. 27. Uh, do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. I'll I'll read it again. It's very simple. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, fill in your favorite sin, okay? Do not give yourself working for food that doesn't satisfy. It's going to spoil. It's going to turn like sand in your mouth. Uh, Whatever it is, it doesn't satisfy, guys. Guys, that is not where life is, right? Money and, and sex and, and power and prestige and influence and all the things that the world says, this is what you want. This satisfies. This you will have arrived. It's all food that spoils. Why are you seeking to be a king on a hill of spoiled food when God says, I will give you food that will last forever when you follow me and you work for my food, it endures forever. The benefits are forever. It's across many generations. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's the slow and steady, as, as we were talking about last week with Morgan Snyder, 
there is a way that the kingdom works, and the kingdom delivers eternal fruit that you benefit today across generations. Man, I'm telling you what, you do not want to be the man that has spent your whole life working for food that spoils. Repent of giving yourself to lesser things. So that's what I wanted to share today. Uh, The five things to repent of. Pride, anger, partial obedience, stubbornness, and giving ourselves to lesser things. And I'll remind you, as I said in the beginning, repent and live. You know, repent and turn that all these sins can be wiped out of your life and that a time of refreshing can come from the Lord. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And I believe that you're not listening to this by accident. The Lord wants to set you free. No condemnation. Today is the day of salvation. Turn to Him today. Be renewed. Be refreshed. Be set free. Have a big fat smile on your face because you're so forgiven. And He's so good. And I appreciate and love you guys. We'll see you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Go to Instagram at The Kindling Fire to find out more about what we offer, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Kindling Fire. There you can find Bible devotionals, e-courses, and etc. Okay, guys, as always, be awesome.